Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. Today we're going to be in Jonah chapter 3. A lot of times we're asked, why do you, why do you sing the same thing, same line, over and over and over? I'm going to give you a quick explanation of that, all right? I have a good illustration in my life this morning. All I am is yours. How many times do you have to say that? Uh, well, number one, I sing that. I want to sing that in the Spirit, right? My Spirit, that's what all my Spirit says is, Lord, all I am is yours. But it is, it is got to work from something that just my spirit wants or says or desires. It's got to work its way through my mind so that I can think about it. It's got to be captivated by my flesh so that my flesh is constantly reminded that everything that I am belongs to the Lord. And then back to my mind so that I can make a firm decision. And so I, I need to say things like that over and over to remind my stinking flesh that my life belongs to Jesus Christ over and over because that flesh is so strongly reaching and grabbing a hold and pulling back my, my spirit's desire to please and honor the Lord. So I hope this morning as we do sing that you are able to remind your, your flesh that you belong to Jesus Christ uh, this morning and you'll be empowered by that. Jonah chapter 3, if you've not already found it, uh, go ahead and, and, and turn there. But uh, before I go any further, I want to just remind you, a couple of weeks now we've been talking about uh, uh, trying to, trying to, what it would look like to put our women's ministry uh, together with our women's auxiliary so that they can kind of be an umbrella ministry so that all our women are working in the same direction. So if you're interested in serving kind of in a think tank session this coming Wednesday evening, just put your name on the uh, list on the connection point desk so that we'll kind of know how to prepare for that uh, meeting. Uh, so we, you know, we don't have any agenda or anything. We just want to be able to talk about what would it look like and what are the goals of women's ministry. And, uh, and I, I will assure you, I know that I'm not a woman, uh, but I just, want to, I just want to facilitate a, a meeting, not all the meetings. I do not want control of women's ministry, all right? Believe me, <laughs> okay? All right. Uh, Jonah chapter 3. If you're here for the first time this morning, or maybe you're here again after a while, or maybe you've just begun to attend Connect Church, I want to tell you how grateful I am uh, to, uh, uh, to be a pastor here of such a great group of people. I'm glad that God has brought you here for such a time as this. I hope that you will feel at home, maybe a part of the family. Uh, where, wherever you are on the spectrum of your relationship with Jesus, uh, you can find a home here. We're all growing to be more like Him. So if you're just on the beginning stages of asking questions, you're not alone. Uh, if you are looking to be plugged into ministry pretty quickly, you're not alone. And so uh, this is a, a very, very safe place, but a place where we want to help you find and follow Jesus in discipleship. And so today you're going to get a snapshot of that. So if you're if you're uh, willing and eager, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor this morning. We'll do things a little bit differently. I'm going to read the whole chapter, chapter 3 of Jonah, but I would ask you to join me, please, by standing as we read chapter 3. If you're able and willing, we're going to read this while we stand this morning. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. 
the message that I will tell you. And so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. And Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The people of Nineveh believed God, for they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And then the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and set in ashes, and he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and the beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And when God saw what they did... How they turned from their evil way. God relented to the, from the, of the disaster that He had said that He would do to them. And He did not do it. Let's pray together. Lord, we're thankful for Your Word today. And it is Your breath to us. And Your Word says that it is profitable to us that we may know how to live. And so I pray that as we hear these words would not just be words on a page, but we would hear Your heart, hear Your voice. And so, Lord, I pray that we would learn how to apply your truth to our lives so that we may glorify you with your, for your uh, greatest glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So kind of recapping quickly what's going on in this, uh, in this book. We're working through Jonah and kind of seeing ourselves. unfortunately, as we work through it. God... God comes to Jonah and he tells Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. If you remember, the Nineveh is the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. Assyria is the most wicked nation the world has ever produced. Terrible folks. They're very, very wicked and evil and violent. Uh, and they, uh, they destroy cities entirely. And when I say destroy, I don't mean turn tables over. I mean burn to the ground. They will take uh, the men and they will skin them alive. They'll bury them in sand, pull their tongues out, staple their tongues to wood and leave them out there to dehydrate, go crazy and ultimately die. They take their heads, they cut, cut, cut them off, reduced only to us. Now when I was, in, when I was little, you go to, uh, uh, on a trip or you go, I, there's lots of, I live in eastern Kentucky and so lots of rocks, walls up behind my house, take spray paint up there and write my name, Blaine was here, you know, it doesn't last long but... Uh, but nevertheless, you kind of mark your territory. That's how the Syrians did it, except they didn't have spray paint yet. So they would take the heads off of all the men of the cities and they would make pyramids out of them. And so when another person would walk into the city, it would say, the Assyrians were here. Terrible, terrible people, raping women. They'd murder all of the babies, all the children. And so God told Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to those people and I want you to tell them that I love them. So Jonah decided he did not want to do that. Whether Jonah was so patriotic and he was so proud of his own tradition, his own history, or maybe he lived originally right up on the border of the Assyrian Empire. Perhaps he or his family or some friends or neighbors had actually been affected by the Assyrians at some point. Somewhere or another, he absolutely hated them. Perhaps this is why God called him to go. But Jonah did not go. Jonah boarded a ship and went in the opposite direction. God sent a storm and reluctantly the sailors threw Jonah overboard because they recognized Jonah was the problem. 
Jonah wasn't a man of repentance at that time. Jonah was a man that was willing to give up. In fact, it would have been really easy for Jonah to have said, Fellas, I've made a terrible mistake. Turn this ship around and take me back to the port. I've got to go to Nineveh. But instead, Jonah said, It would be better for me to die in the ocean than to still go to Nineveh. He's not repenting. And there may be people in here today that you know what God wants you to do, but you might would say, I would rather die than do that. God, I know you, your will is for me to forgive them, for, you, for me to love them, for me to speak to them, for me to give to them, but I would rather die than to do that. They do not deserve it. Jonah was, I wouldn't say suicidal, or he had jumped off the boat, but he was willing to die rather than be obedient. So God prepared a great fish to come and swallow Jonah up. Jonah is now trapped inside of this fish and it takes three more days for Jonah to say, I would rather be in Nineveh than in this place. (laughs) It smells the same, but it's different. More light in Nineveh. So the, the fish spits Jonah up on the dry land and Jonah begins to walk toward Nineveh. Now I do not know how long it was from God said go to Nineveh to Jonah said go to Joppa. I don't know how far away from the coast Jonah was when he was tossed overboard. We, the only thing we know is that Jonah was in the belly of the fish for a span of three days. Some of three days. I don't know how far he is from the coast when he gets spit out to the time that he gets to the now entering Nineveh sign. I don't know how far that is. Let's say it's days, it's weeks maybe for Jonah. So as Jonah gets spit out on the shore, that's where our story takes over today. The grace of God goes to those who do not deserve it. In fact, I would say to us this morning, for many people, I'm putting a tool in your belt today, you're going to run into a lot of people who think that they've gone too far from God's grace. There's only one qualifier for the grace of God. You can't deserve it. If you deserve it, you can't have it. So the, the, the beautiful thing about God's grace is the only qualifier is you have to have gone too far. What a great encouragement to us. Or to me. So scripture, scripture says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I want you to take your pen and paper or pencil or whatever and circle the word in scripture a second time. Now, we're going to talk about a few Hebrew words today. These words are very, very important. We know that every word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament primarily is written in Hebrew, which most of us do not know. But if every word is inspired, then it's important to know what the original meaning of those words were as they were originally written, not in English, but in Hebrew. That word a second time is the word sheni. Sheni. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a sheni, second time. It means again. It means in comparison to another time. It doesn't necessarily mean the second time. It means additionally. And so I don't know how many second chances this is. We talk about second chances or third chances or hundredth chances. All of those are the sheni of God where God takes like, you ever seen people do like sand art? Or, or any, well, anything, you do math. But anytime you erase, 
when you get to a final answer, you're not judged by how many times you erased. You're judged by the final answer, right? That's the word shani. When you have an opportunity for something to be erased, God is not saying, okay, well, Jonah was 50% faithful on this call. He was 100% faithful on this one. So we'll take a 50, we'll take a 100, average out 75, enter in, good and faithful servant into the joys of the Lord. God doesn't judge on the curve. He doesn't take the law of averages. What God will do is every time you say you're willing to say yes to Him, He absolutely erases every other chance. That's the word picture of Shani. God came to Jonah a second time, meaning if Jonah would say yes, it would be Jonah's first time. It's a beautiful word. God has come to all of us that way. In fact, there may be some of us in here where you may have told God no before. You know what God wants you to do and how He wants you to do it. But you keep saying no. But when you say yes, He will erase every other time and hold you responsible for today's obedience. I also want you to remember as we work through this, I think it's so easy to forget that we'll come to church, we'll hear sermons, and we'll go to Bible studies, and and we're looking to be educated. But the goal of Scripture is not to educate you. The goal of Scripture is application. I can stand up here and I can talk to you all day long about what I think about Jonah, and you can walk away with great Jonah knowledge. You can know how many miles he went. You can know how old he was. You can know what city he was from. You can know all sorts of stuff. But if you miss the character and nature of God, that's the point of Scripture. It's to know how God responds, what God wills, how He works, how He rewards, how He punishes, how His heart beats, how He shows compassion, grace, and mercy, and forgiveness, who He loves, and why. He gives us all of that in His Word. And so if we only look at Jonah for what we can learn about Jonah... We will miss the important parts. And there are a lot of people who will settle for education when we're truly looking for application. So what do we learn about God's character and nature here? Well, one of the things that we learn here is that God loves lost people. So if I am supposed to be gathering and and engaging or capturing a heart for, for God, if I'm in... If I'm in Christ and I'm become, and I am a Christian, meaning I am like Him, Paul says that we should have this mind that was also in Christ Jesus. I'm to have the mind of Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we know that the Father and the Son have the same mind, the same heart. If you want to know who the Father is, look at Jesus. If you want to know who Jesus is, look back at the Father. You can see these things in perfect harmony together. So we go back into the Old Testament and we can say... Jesus Christ loves lost people, the vilest. And so if we call ourselves by the name of Christ, but we're not loving people not like us because they're too mean, they're too wicked, they're too sinful. Listen, there's one thing I've learned about sinners. They sin. Listen, Christians, we can't be afraid of people who sin. We can't be afraid... To carry truth, light, into dark places. Who else is going to be called to do that? We can't only surround ourselves with people who think and act and vote just like we do. And that's exactly what Jonah's problem was. He was too religious for his own good. 
He wasn't willing to break through his own prejudices, his own habits, and his own traditions in order to see the heart of God. He only cared about what God was doing in his life. Not what God would do in the life of those around him. Jonah hated sinners. He hated wicked people. He would rather die than them have an opportunity for forgiveness. And the truth of the matter is, though that's a very extreme statement, there are many of us who live that way. We're going to live our entire life and die rather than speak and have a ministry to people who are lost. You brush shoulders with people every day who are headed straight to hell. And we just keep waiting for God to give us a word. Listen, Jonah needed a word from the Lord because Jonah didn't have the word of the Lord. We have this word. His word says, as you go, make disciples. Jonah didn't read that in a book. It hadn't been written and wouldn't be for a thousand years. But you have it right here. You know God's heart. You know God's cause. You know God's glory. God had to grab Jonah. God's already grabbed you. You already know what you should be doing. How you should be giving. How you you should be sending. How you should be speaking. How you should be forgiving. Where you should be showing grace and mercy and relationship and influence and discomfort. You already know all of that. And I'm telling you today that in order for Nineveh to get a second chance, you must take advantage of your second chance. Wouldn't it be easier? I mean, God spoke through a donkey, right? God spoke to a fish and the fish obeyed. How much more powerful would this be? If God's going to use a fish and the fish obey, wouldn't it be awesome if this great fish that could swallow a man just jumped up on the shore and waddled into Nineveh and started speaking and saying, God has come to tell you that you are going to be destroyed if you don't... I mean, that's pretty powerful. We'd be reading that story today if a fish came and gave Jonah's message to them. But God wants to use people to reach people. Because it's only in that that those people can capture the heart of God and be transformed themselves. For Nineveh to get a second chance, Jonah has to say yes to his second chance. And I'm telling you, for the lost people that we're so judgmental toward, I'm talking about even people of other faiths, for them to get God's shani, you've got to take advantage of yours. God forgive us. Remember last week we talked about Jonah saying, What I have vowed, I will make good. And there are many of us who, when we said yes to Jesus, and you may not have known what you were saying yes to. I know many of you, you say yes to Jesus, you were saying yes to heaven, right? <laughs> saying yes to forgiveness. But honestly, in that, in that yes to Jesus is yes, Jesus, everything. Life then begins to be about letting go of everything else. So Jonah reaches this point where he says, What I have vowed, I will make good. Second chance to make a right commitment. In fact, it's a commitment he had already made. He had just gotten distracted.
So verse 2 says that, and it's, he said, we want to say it, go. It's the first word, go. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I will give you. So I want you to circle the word go. And that word actually comes from two Hebrew words. The first word is kum. You're never going to be tested on this. You just need to know that it's a very important word. It's also uh, in a phrase with the word halak. Halak. And what it means is not only what we are to do, but with what urgency we are to do it with. So he says to him, go, but it's missing in English, but in Hebrew, it is go immediately. And so God is telling, have you ever, anybody, how many parents are in here? Okay, I really need a lot of help this morning, okay? So help me, please. How many of you have ever told your children to do something and heard back any paraphrase of this? Okay, in a minute. How many of you ever heard that? In a minute. Okay, good. Some of you, your kids are in here and you're a little reluctant. I get it. I get it. In a minute. How many of you who have ever heard in a minute or okay have ever gone back to that command 30 minutes later to find that it has not been completed? So I just want to, now we're going to separate and I'm going to just tell you a story. So in my house, if I say, hey, so and so, (laughs) trash needs to be taken out. Okay, in a minute, five minutes, whatever. Okay. Paraphrase. I come back, trash is still not out. Here's what I will say. Take the trash out now. Right? Now. Urgency. Do not press pause. Do not say to me one more time in a minute, or I will, or later. When the word of the dad comes the second time, It is not only what you're going to do, but with what urgency you're going to do it with. Amen? See, this is where I needed your help. I feel tension in the room all of a sudden. And I didn't create it because I told you ahead of time I needed help. This is exactly what the Lord is doing. Because God knows something that we learn as parents. From the time that the command comes the first time, to the time that there is obedience to that commandment, We'll call that lag time, all right? We called it that a couple of weeks ago. It's lag time from Lord said to do this. Okay, I will, I will, I will. The further we get from obedience, it is easier and easier to get distracted. The more distracted you get from the time you say yes to the time you were called, it is so much, it gets easier and easier to, yeah, later, later, later. So many of us said yes to Jesus We have heard God's voice speak to us, maybe in a sermon, maybe in Bible study, maybe in worship in the car, wherever it is we heard the Lord say to us, we should do this or that. And we said, I will get around to it sometime. And we get right back to our regular life and we forget the word of the Lord. So the Lord knows that the lives of... This is sad. I'm going, to give it, I'm going to give it away. I don't know how long it took from Jonah to hear the word of the Lord the first time and the word of the Lord the second time, but I know this. There's 120,000 people that live in Nineveh. With that size of a population, if it took two weeks, there were people who died in Nineveh that did not get the opportunity to repent because of Jonah's lag time. 
while Jonah was figuring out himself, determining if he was going to be obedient or not, there are people dying in Nineveh that would have repented. I'm telling you, God has called us to make disciples of all the nations. And while you're trying to figure that out, there are people all around you that are dying. Oh, you'll get it figured out because God's going to send you the word of the Lord a second time. But while you're waiting, your lag time, people are going to experience eternity separated from Jesus Christ because we are trying to figure out our own life. God has called us to mission, to lay our life down every day. Obedience is not, I'll get around to it. Obedience is, yes, Lord, every day. Not because God just loves you, but because God loves the most wicked people on earth today. That's who Jesus died for. And He died for them on their worst day. Kum yalek. Do it now, immediately. Don't wait, because if you wait one more day, if you go take a shower at that truck stop to wipe that fish guts off of you, you might talk yourself out of going. You'll find every good excuse not to go to Nineveh. Now. Go now. So that's how Jonah goes. Pick up everything and go. And sometimes that, I, I know, I'm just speaking maybe even out of my own experiences, but God says go, and you say, okay, well, I've got to prepare for this. I want, to, I want to learn more about this. God wants me to speak. I've got to learn, I've got to learn how to share my faith. You ever see people, listen, you don't, you don't have to learn how to share your faith. It's al- it already is in you. You just have to be willing. You don't have, if, I'm going to, if I'm going to talk to this person, I really, if I'm going to counsel their marriage, I need to become a marriage counselor. I need to read some books and really prepare. You don't need to do those things I mean, that are helpful, but don't wait until you're completely equipped in order to be able to be obedient. Because the Word of the Lord says to us in the New Testament that we are thoroughly equipped unto every good work. Your responsibility is to say yes, because every moment that you delay from yes, you're less likely to be obedient. Pick up everything, even the stench. Of your own sin. I mean, I think of Jonah. We talked about this a little bit last week. I think of Jonah walking into Nineveh and got, <clears throat> yeah, I think his hair is kind of disheveled and it was kind of rough, but that's going to work for him because he's getting ready to walk into Nineveh and they're going to be able to say, Hooey, this guy is not a normal guy. What's your story, fella? <laughs> well, let me tell you, I hate your guts and so God put me in some fish guts. <laughs> that is show me, <laughs> right? I just made that up right here. Some of you write that down and send it to me. That was good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, tell somebody the first service because they didn't get that one. I, I didn't get to that. Okay. So why does, the Lord, why does the Lord call Nineveh great? Well, that word obviously doesn't mean the same either, but we're not going to get into it a lot. But great meaning in influence, not necessarily in applause. Uh, they were a horrible, horrible people, but they had significant influence. In fact, the Assyrian Empire influenced many, many generations of empires thereafter. It was one of the most, even historical commentators would say that they were one of the most important historical cities, really influencing others. Um, so Jonah is, is going to be able to be a walking testimony of what it means to reject the message of God 
just because of the wearing his consequences. So many of us want to deal with our consequences and we want to be able to have our suits and ties on before we represent the Lord. Unnecessary. Your obedience is the perfect testimony of God's love. It's okay to smell like fish when you're witnessing to someone about God's wonderful transformation and His shani in your life and in theirs. The first time that God came to Jonah, He said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to say this to them. I'm not going to take time to preach all of that, but go back into chapter 1 and you will see God gave Jonah the message. And while Jonah was sitting there listening, he was like, yeah, I don't want to tell them that. There's no way to spin that positively. I'm going to Joppa, right? So God gets Jonah on the beach of the fish, and he says to him, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and this time I'm not going to tell you what to say until you get there. You say, I want, this is really important because for me, I've been in ministry now for a long time, 25 years, I've been preaching every week, multiple times every week, and, I, and there's a lot of times you sit down and you say, what does the word of the Lord want to be today? What is it today? And there are times that I get it right, and there's times I get it wrong. Usually while I get it wrong is because I'm sitting there thinking, what am I going to, how am I going to say that? How am I going to say this or that or the other? Do I want to say this or that? I'm trying to craft it, you know? And so when the Lord comes to John, I would tell you, terrify me to death that the Lord said, I want you to go to the wicked, most wicked people in the world, and I'm not going to let you prepare for that. So all along, I know Jonah is walking to Nineveh, and he is saying, I have no idea what I'm going to say. I have literally, I don't know how, I don't know what I'm going to say. Lord, you'll have to fill my mouth. Lord, you're going to have to fill my mouth. Lord, are you sure you're going to tell me what to say? Lord, you told me you would tell me what to say. I can tell you that Jonah is going to be so confident that what he's about to say is the word of the Lord. He's not going to say to himself, how can I say this in a way that they won't skewer me? How can I say this in a way that makes it palatable for them? How can I say it so that they'll hate God, but they'll still love me? I'm telling you, Jonah, God took that away from him. God called Jonah into partnership here and said, Jonah, I, I mean, again, I don't know if this is what really happened or not, so please give me some patience and latitude. But I think one morning Jonah woke up with God sitting beside, not literally, sitting beside his bed and said, Jonah, got a great idea. How about we go to Nineveh and preach redemption to the worst people possible? Let's go do that. And Jonah said, you're out of your mind. We are not going to go. You can go if you want. I am out. Jonah had opportunity for full partnership there. Let's go do this together. But now, Jonah doesn't get partnership. Jonah, you will go immediately. And I am going to do something through you instead of us doing something together. So when, we, when the word of the Lord comes the first time, you will always have a greater opportunity to glorify Him when you say yes as soon as possible. For every shani that you need, God right moves just a little bit more freedom from you. Oh, you're still going to do it. But there'll be less glory in it. Less partnership in it. Look at verse 3. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. Lord, you tell me where to go, I'll go. You tell me what to speak, I'll speak. Tell me what to give, I'll give. Tell me how to love, I'll love. Tell me how to serve. Whatever you want me to do, Lord. It was God's grace that called Jonah to Nineveh. But it's God's mercy that calls him again. 
And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. Look at verse 4. The Bible says this, On the first day Jonah did what? Jonah started into the city. Started into the city. Now I want to talk about began to go into the city. In the, the ESV. This is a, a, another Hebrew phrase. It's two words. Halel bo. It means uh, uh, began to go. Uh, but it's a, a, a very significant word picture. The word picture is with pain and suffering. It's, it's a, 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 a Matthew chapter 4 kind of a call. When, God, when Jesus comes to the disciples, uh, the fishermen, and He says, Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And it says that they dropped their nets immediately. Immediately they dropped their nets. And, and when you see this in Jonah, when God tells Jonah to go immediately, this word, when he began to go into the city, it means that he is actually releasing his hands of every entrapment, is what the word means. That he is, you know, everything that was holding Jonah back, his racism, his patriotism, his prejudices, his finances, his fear of dying, his, his, his resentment to bitter people, angry people, violent people, all of those things he's holding on to like idols. In fact, the end of chapter 3 tells us that, that we ought to repent. He was calling us to repent of idolatry that he had realized in his own life. So he's sitting here with, this, with all of these things in his hands and these things in my hands that I'm holding on so tightly will not free me up so that I can walk in obedience. This word, Hallel Bo, means that as he begins to walk, he's actually opening his hands up. Immediately, with urgency, opening his hands in repentance. This is one of the first signs of Jonah's real repentance. That he's letting go, even if it is against his will. And I do still believe that it is. I do not believe that Jonah wants to go. But Jonah is willing to go because the alternative is dire to him. You know, you can be obedient against your will, right? Obedience does not require your will. So you don't have to want to do the right thing. It's still important to do the right thing regardless of how you feel about it, right? We know that. So Jonah now knows this is the right thing to do, and he is freeing himself to be able to do it. This is an act of the will. I will say for us, there are so many things that God has called us to do, to be, so many ways that God has called us to love, to forgive, to show mercy, to show grace, to offer the shani to people that we have experienced, the second chances that God has called us, given us the opportunity to experience. He's called us to give those away to other people. As God has called us to do it, there are things in our life, there are places that God has called us to go, conversations that you know God has called you to have. But we're so tightly holding on to other things that we can't be obedient. We, you, you know there's opportunities to serve, but I'm too busy. There's opportunities to give, but I need more, not less. What God is calling Jonah to do here, and Jonah does, is live generously open-handed. That's what Hallel Bo means. Those who 
Well, Jonah said, cling, pay regard to vain idols. And now he's letting all of those go. I don't know what it is you're holding on to, if it's self-will, if it's financial security or control. Maybe it's a relationship that you know is wrong, but you're holding on to it because you're afraid there may not be another come along. God is offering you full partnership. He calls you to go, but until you halal bow, you can never do what God wants you to do. Maybe partially, but not completely. Go now. It's urgent. It's important. Forgive, love, speak, serve. How many godly decisions have you made only to end up unfulfilling them because of your lag time? Scripture says he proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. 40 more days. That's eight words in English. It's five words in Hebrew. Now, how many of you wish your pastor preached five worded sermons? Those of you who laughed, you can be dismissed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> As you would expect, this word that the Lord is giving to Jonah, remember, this is not Jonah's sermon. The Lord said, I will tell you what to say when the time is right. This is God's sermon. And it is short. It is direct and it is offensive. Forty days and you'll be overturned. This word is the word hip hop, not hip hop, okay? Hip hock. Hip hock. H I P P O C K. That's English. That's not uh, the way to spell it in Hebrew. Hebrew is not English. It's a, it's a play on words. It's actually in English, we would call it a homonym. Okay, there's, there's several words. It says the same, but it has different word pictures associated with it. So what this word means, it's kind of like in, in gardening or in, in farming. If you, take the, if you take the dirt, today we would have a tiller or something that we would do this with, a spade. But you take the dirt and you turn it over and it either destroys what was already in it or you could see it as it giving an opportunity for transformation for the future. That's what the word hippoch means. It is a word that means you shall be overturned, period. And you are to draw the conclusion of, does that mean to destruction? Or does overturn mean to transformation? So this word is actually used of Sodom and Gomorrah. When God overturned them, it was to destruction. But here He gives them the opportunity. They're going to be overturned. What does it do for them? They are able to work through God. And one of the things I want you to realize that we learn about God's character and nature here is that God's mercy has a clock. Forty days, you've got to make a decision here. In 40 days, you're going to be overturned. What you do between now and then will determine if it's to destruction finally or if it's to transformation. Verse 5 says, the Ninevites believed God. Which is interesting, because this was Jonah doing the talking. But they were able to see right through the fish guts and the smell, and they heard the voice of God through Jonah. 
All we know is what the Bible tells us that Jonah said. Jonah may have said much more. We don't know. History tells us numerous different ways and places that Nineveh, the Assyrian Empire right now, is experiencing a lot of trauma. All right? They are super powerful, terribly wicked, but they have begun to write down a history that tells us that they're going through famine, they're experiencing plagues, they're experiencing droughts, they're watching the sky do strange things, meteors and, and those sorts of things. They've never seen red planets, and they're watching all of these things happen, and they see all of these as omens. When Jonah comes and says, 40 days, Nineveh will be overturned, they're able to go, poop, 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 poop. all the dots connect. God, this is God's message. We've been asking for whatever all of these signs are, that God would send somebody and here you are. So you are God's messenger. We believe God. Scripture doesn't tell us all of that. All Scripture tells us is that upon Jonah speaking five words, they believed. Jonah is terrified at what they're going to do to him when he gets there. You imagine Jonah says he, he walks three days. Or the, I mean, the city is three days uh, to walk across. He walks a day, which means that he's practically at the city center. And when he gets to the city center, he says, 40 days. 40 days. And he's expecting everybody to come out of their houses and just spear him to death, pull his tongue out, all those sorts of things. But what do they do? They fall to their knees. Sometimes the people that you think are closest to God are farthest from God, such as the sake of Jonah. Sometimes the people you think that are the furthest, farthest from God are actually the closest. We don't get to determine that. You can look around this room right now and think that, boy, all these good church people. But there's people in here right now, and you know, far from God. But there's people that are out there right now that are not a part of us, that all it would take is a word from the Lord. We don't get to determine. We don't get to judge. We don't get to look at one another and say, boy, if I could only be like them. Well, every Christian, every believer in the Old Testament would say, boy, if I could only be like Jonah, not knowing that Jonah was far from obedient. And everybody would say, boy, I sure am glad I'm not like the Ninevites. But they're getting ready to experience a revival like they've never had before. God was preparing them all along. And you don't, know, you don't know how God is preparing people. The people you work with that you're afraid of how they might respond to you. Your neighbors and you're afraid from, because of what you've seen, what you've experienced, of how they respond to you afterwards. You don't know how God is already at work. But your responsibility is not to know. Your responsibility is to let go and take a step forward immediately. Speak the word of the Lord. Don't think about how you're going to say it and craft it. And what were they going to think when I say this? And if they say this, I'll say this. You just get in that moment. What did, what did Jesus tell his disciples? When they go and appear in court, they said, we don't know what we're going to say. He said, the Holy Spirit will fill your mouth when the time comes. You just trust. Don't craft. Trust. Believing in Jonah wasn't salvation. Believing Jonah wasn't salvation. Believing in God is not salvation. But believing God is. 
You can believe in God and be disobedient. But believing God is trust. You see the difference? So many of us have decided that we're going to believe in God and think that's a faith decision. That's not a faith decision. You can believe in God and live disobediently like many of us do. But when you believe God, that is a step of trust where you don't have to figure it out. We're just trusting Him. So what do they do? Well, they immediately put on their sackcloth. Sackcloth was strange and many times to show signs of repentance they would, they would put on sackcloth and sit in ashes. Now sackcloth was actually primarily goat hair turned inside out. And so they would put it on and any way they would turn it would chafe them and rub them and hurt them. And you wear it long enough it blisters you and burns you. And so it dries you out And they would put ashes on top of that, which means they would even become more dry. And so what it was, it was a sign of complete repentance. And so when it says that they are repenting, they believe God, and they put on sackcloth, which means we do not deserve to be comfortable. We should be afflicted. They're doing self-harm, thinking that it pleases God. But what pleases God is that they've repented. So they put on sackcloth and... And again, Jonah is at city center. It doesn't take very long for the words of all of the Ninevites to get to the king. This is in verses 6 through 9. I'm not going to read them again. But the king, the king gets up at midday and takes his royal robes off and puts on sackcloth. Never heard of, never heard of before. The king never, you never see the king outside of his royal palace without the royal robes on. And now the king is in sackcloth and ashes. And he makes a decree for every citizen of the kingdom. Everybody. Men, women. You don't even have to believe this. Women and men and children. All sackcloth. In fact, I want you to even put your animals in sackcloth. Even our animals have sinned. We will never do evil again which means he's not sending this out to their armies where they're doing, they're doing damage to us they're, they're actually a really violent people, even to each other. Even your animals, sackcloth. In fact, I, nobody eats. You can't taste anything. No food, no, no, no drink, no water. You can't even taste water, but you can't have that either. Well, you might be able to taste their water. They had a little bad water. No water, no drink, no food till further notice. Listen, my kids can't go 30 minutes without eating. Don't look at my kids. I'm talking about your kids too. I can't imagine being told no more food, no more drink until further notice. Oh, and your animals too. Guess what? My animals are out on the side of the hill eating grass. You better get out there and hold their mouth shut. And if they're down there by the pond, you better get down there and make sure you put a circle around the pond because they ain't drinking either. We're going to show the Lord that we're serious about this. We will do no more wickedness and we want to prove it to the Lord because if we're going to be overturned, it better matter. We want to make sure that we're right with God. Because who knows, God might actually allow us to be transformed and live. I love this because... The power of this is they have, the king has made the decision. The people have made the decision. We will repent. And maybe we'll still live. 
It reminds me of the three Hebrew children who are about to get thrown into the fiery furnace when Nebuchadnezzar comes and says, bow down to this golden statue of me. And they said, we will not bow, O king. You can throw us in the fiery furnace if you want to, but our God is able to deliver us. But even if he does not, we will not bow, O king. Boy, that is powerful. The decision was made. Maybe God will let us live. But whether he does or not, we will not live disobediently. And that's exactly what this king is saying. He is saying the same thing. We will repent. Maybe God will let us live. But this is not some foxhole, if God will, then I will do this kind of a commitment. This is an absolute we will. And if God destroys us, we'll live forever with Him. If He lets us live, we'll live forever for Him. Man, if, if the godly could make decisions like that, look at what the wicked are doing. Every day will be for Him. We've got 39 more days. God's mercy will not last forever. He told Nineveh, 40 days starting now. And you don't get to know when God's mercy runs out. But God's mercy will run out. Some of you may be on day 39. You keep meaning to, you keep going to. God's at work all around you, warming Himself to you. Don't wait till day 41, because you'll be overturned. One day, we're going to be overturned. We'll be standing before the righteous judge. And what you've done from this day to that will determine if you're overturned to destruction or overturned to transformation. Now, if you're a history scholar, you will know that the Assyrian Empire's transformation, their repentance, didn't last very long. They regressed. Less than a generation later, they were right back at it again. And God did ultimately destroy them, allowed them to be overtaken. The same way they treated other people, they were treated. They become slaves, moved off into nobodies. Now the reason that I say that is because that was God's judgment to them. They were overturned, not in 40 days, because they repented. But I do want to say this, that during those 40 days, there were people who died. In those days that there were between repentance and back to being unrepentant, there were people who died. Listen, there will be, there will be Assyrian soldiers represented around the throne room singing praise and glory to God for all eternity because of Jonah's ministry. Assyrian empire will be represented with the every tongue and every nation. Isn't that powerful? They will have representation there. But there are so, the entire nation relapsed. The reason that I say that is because that was not a part of the plan. The problem, the problem with the Assyrian Empire, I would say even the problem with Jonah, is that the Ninevites didn't have a disciple maker. They repented and then they didn't know what to do. Nobody taught them the law. Nobody taught them circumcision. Nobody taught them prayer. Nobody taught them the sacrifices. Nobody taught them the feast days. Nobody taught them the hymns. Nobody taught them how to give 
thanks and thanksgiving. Nobody taught them how to reach out. Nobody taught them how to love. Nobody taught them the character and nature of God. Jonah had his decisions made and he went up on the hill for 40 days waiting for them to be overturned to destruction. And when they weren't, he was angry at God because God was merciful. God doesn't call us just to get people to make decisions. God calls us to make disciples. If Jonah would have been a disciple maker, if he would have gathered a group of those warriors to himself and taught them the ways of God, they could have established gatherings and they could have worked themselves into churches and they could have reached the Gentiles. They were already in the four corners of the world. But they didn't have somebody who would love them. They had somebody who was obedient against their will. There are a lot of takeaways there, but I want to say to us, our responsibility as Christians is not to be popular. It's not to be the hero. It's not, it's not to get decisions. It's not to be right. It's to help people find and follow Jesus. And Jonah failed miserably. And I'm afraid so do we. We have got to be emboldened. We have to hear the word of the Lord with passion. Release every idol in our hand and walk in obedience and make disciples of every nation. God is already at work there. We'll be surprised that those of us who think we're the closest are the farthest. God's Word will come to us a second time, and it has done that today. For us to say, yes, Lord, I will go at whatever cost. And to begin to take our first steps across the street. Our first steps across the office, across the classroom, across the fence, across the ocean. And proclaim their second chance. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you this morning and we thank you that you have given us a shani. I pray that today we would take advantage of that and time starts now. We don't know how long we get to be obedient. I know this, it'll never be easier than right now to say yes. So help us, Lord, to identify what it is that we're holding on to so tightly that keeps us from obedience. Help us, Lord, to, to just let go and take a step. hope that this message has brought you closer to finding and following Jesus. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.